0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.
2: Welcome. It's Ed Martin. It's the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you tonight, and uh, thank you for tuning in. We have a good, really good, important program I mentioned earlier in the week that Hans von Spakovsky, the the, uh, attorney, constitutional lawyer, who also was a former Federal Election Commission member, uh, who's been a guest on this show. He's a very good writer, a very smart guy. He's over at Heritage Foundation in the Mies Center. He will be with us, but for a very specific topic uh, to talk about mail-in balloting and election integrity and the problems we have to face in the coming election. He's really good at this. He's really smart. He's kind of a professor, and so Hans von Spakovsky will with us. You're going to want to hear that interview. Well, also, I got a couple requests from people. You know, there's lots of um, famous people who are doing um, graduation commencement addresses online. No one asked me to do one. Uh, I'm not saying that, but there was a few last week. We ran a segment, a short segment. Segment with Jordan Henry called Heartland Heroes. It was a redux of our Heartland Heroes segment. Used to do it every week back uh, when the show began... A couple years ago, three years ago, every week we get Jordan Henry, who's the research director over at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Center. Uh, I work with him all the time. He's a brilliant writer, really smart guy. He would go out and find Heartland heroes and bring them on the show. We haven't done it in a while, but last week we ran a segment, short segment, about some of the folks that are graduating and how they're heroic and what they're doing. And, you know, obviously aware of how much has changed for people who are graduating from college and high school in a time of, you know, this uh, great pause. So we'll We'll replay that at the request of a couple of listeners. So you'll hear that in a few minutes. And I will wrap things up by walking you through the reality of the swing constituency. In the upcoming election, um, really important. It'll be important for the president. It'll be important for the rest of the uh, candidates to up and down the ballot, including especially including some of these Senate races in key places like Michigan and Arizona and others. So you're going to want to hear that. I, I, there's a piece that ran over at our sister site Townhall.com, which has really encapsulated uh, the argument well. And so I, 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 I'm going I'm to tell you about that, uh, and I'm going to walk you through it. And you're going to be um, you're going to be well informed when we're done. Excuse me, I was trying to get that. Up on the thing all right so don 't forget ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. dot com if you go there right now you will get yourself uh, you can get yourself signed up for the wink the daily what you need to know we 're about to do that for you right now and um, there 's a lot there also in the daily wink single email that gets sent uh, to you it 'll be sent to you at uh, eight a m eastern time it's uh that 's five a m pacific time and you 'll get that into your um email box, I promise I never give your email address out, I never borrow it, trade it nothing like that, I just make sure to uh, respect what you're doing and and the importance you have so go there and sign up, ProAmericaReport.com and uh, we will um, send that to you, I will make sure you get signed up there, you get signed up there, I'll make sure you get sent this important email, All right. what do you need to know today? Well, there's a lot to cover, it seems like some of the rioting and some of the silliness is settling down, maybe we've put ourselves, we've got ourselves past that it feels like we've got ourselves past that, I'm not 100% sure um that um we have but it feels like maybe we have um now the question i i wonder about is if um there will be sort of a flare-up. Um, but I think, you know, yesterday when we talked about this, that we're at war, remember what I'm saying. We're not at war with our fellow Americans who believe that we should be better. We're at war with the people that are rioting and and burning things down, and Antifa, and, and if they're Black Lives Matter, and others who are organizing this, and using communications, and using a network to destroy things. That's who we're against, and that's the problem that we have to address. And we shouldn't move on. We should not move on. We should... Uh, get ourselves focused, and go ahead and, uh, and, and track all those folks down. That's a big part of this. That's something that we need to do, and uh, I hope you will um, uh, help me and support uh, us doing that and staying focused on, um, on that task. All right, but what do you need to know today? If you saw the headline on the, on the show when I was on the Periscope, or if you go look at uh, Mar- uh, uh, ProAmericaReport.com, you'll see the headline was um, about Roger Stone. And uh, that, that's what I mean by knowing the bad guys. So I just started to tell you, we need to know the bad guys. Antifa, we need Antifa's bad. We need to know the bad guys, uh, the organizers of these riots. But we also need to know the good guys. And knowing the good guys means that um, there is uh, a series, a set of people that have been on the side of the fight to stop the coup of the president. You know who's not been talked about much uh, recently is Papadopoulos or Carter Page. You haven't heard much. Their lives were ruined, too, by the way. We hear a lot about General Flynn, and I'll give you an update in a minute about General Flynn, uh, about how important what he's uh, been up to is and what's going on. Uh, but, I, you know, we haven't heard about Carter Page, uh, and we haven't heard about... Um, um, The uh, the efforts by um, uh, Papadopoulos and what happened to him. So that that's something that might, you know, we may see some more attention to. But let's talk about Roger Stone earlier today. The president uh, or in response, I think, last night to uh, a um, a comment by a a post, a a Twitter, a tweet by somebody. He retweeted and said Roger Stone can sleep well at night, meaning implying he's not going to serve jail time, which is good. Which is good, and it's important. And the reason it's important is because the simple fact is this. If you look now, and you have to go back and look at it, the history of what has happened, the fact is that Roger Stone was protecting and trying to stop the coup against the president. He literally was saying, "I won't roll over and do like a lot of other people did, and tell you a half truth, and, uh, and, um, uh, and 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 um, and uh, and try to find a way to uh, to um, you know implicate the president or others." Um, the but but the fact is, he stood up. He stood up to the he stood up to the coup. He stood up to what was going on. He never backed down. And and what was that? What happened to him? He was he was decimated. You made to pay massive legal fees. Then he was put on trial in what can only be described as a kangaroo jury, a jury that seemed to have like a jury forewoman who was tweeting against him either during the trial or up until the very moment of the trial. And nobody seemed to notice. You got kind of to wonder at a certain point about these, the swamp lawyers that they think that they just, no one should be, you know, they're so sure of their righteousness, these prosecutors that nothing else matters to them. They don't think they have to be abiding by any of the, whether it's a code of decency or the code of, uh, 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 you know, actual code of conduct for lawyers. They, they don't they don't care. They're, they're not. The, they don't have to be bound by that is what they seem to think. And so Stone goes through this trial and it's up on appeal, by the way. We had David Schoen on the show. If you go to ProAmericaReport.com right now and do a search, you'll see the segments with David Schoen, the lawyer for uh, Roger Stone up on appeal and um, and he's and up on appeal. So but more important than anything. This president needs to step in and pardon Roger Stone. I think he's going to do it, but frankly, he's just got to do it. It's taking too long. It's too delayed. It's too much. And he needs to do it. All right, let me give you an update real quick on, on General, Flynn, General Flynn, his case. The argument on appeal is that the, it's about the writ of mandamus. So the writ of mandamus is the lower court, General Flynn and DOJ, the prosecutors and the defendant, it went and said, hey, you, you should let the, tell this judge to let this case go. And the judge said no, Judge Sullivan. So now it's up on the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals has set a a hearing for next Friday, a week from tomorrow. Uh, A week from tomorrow, yeah. And that will be a hearing in court where the the three-judge panel hears the arguments. Now, what's interesting about this is that Judge Sullivan filed a a response to the, the writ of mandamus and said he shouldn't have to do a writ of mandamus, he's just doing his job. But... A bunch of other people, including Senator Cotton, U.S. Senator, and former Attorney General Ed Meese and a few others, filed amicus curiae with the court saying, here's why it has to stop. It should stop right now. And um, and the fact is that I think it's going that direction, but it's another 10 days. It's another two, maybe three weeks. And how long is this going on? And just think about the money that's being spent by General Flynn and his team, and actually DOJ also, because the judge... Sullivan doesn't want to do his job. It's a crazy situation, but it looks like it's headed to resolution. I spoke with General Flynn a couple days ago. He was in um, he was in uh, good spirits as usual. You know, very uh, very um, uh, kind of even keeled on it, and he is uh, you know just pushing ahead and, and thinks it'll resolve itself. But watch for those things. But back to my point and what you need to know is know the bad guys. We're going to get to the bottom of Antifa, anyone else who is leading the charges to make this bad stuff happen, and then know the good guys. And don't be afraid to protect the good guys and to do the right thing for the good guys. You're not going to get any credit in the media. In fact, you're going to get the opposite. But the fact is, it's the right thing to do. It is legitimately the right thing to do. And I think the president will get there. But I want him to get there sooner on Roger Stone. And I I hope that the Flynn thing is resolved uh, quicker, too. So, all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Hans von Spakovsky on voter fraud. Another thing we have to worry about this fall, voter fraud and a lot more. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. I'll be right back. Welcome back, welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. I, you know, I just was uh, telling our our old friend Hans von Spakovsky, who is uh, over at the Heritage Foundation, wears a couple of hats, former member of the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, um, as I, you know, I, I election expert, true, but a constitutional lawyer and a and a great analyst. But I was just telling him I want to talk about mail in balloting, and I want to walk through this. Because one of our viewers, one of our listeners emailed me and said, slow down on this mail-in balloting. So uh, welcome back, first of all, Hans, to the program. How are you?
0: Ed, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me back.
2: Well, it's great to have you. So let let's tell our listeners. So when 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 we hear all this talk about mail-in balloting and and that the so that there's there's absentee ballots and there's mail-in ballots, there can be mail-in ballots to every citizen. So what are we really talking about? Like the, what is the sort of universe of ways you can vote other than showing up in the polling place on election day?
0: Well, look, forty-five states in the District of Columbia have absentee ballots and in uh, about two-thirds of those states you don't need an excuse to vote by absentee ballot and that and and what you do with that is you request the absentee ballot from your local election official they mail it to you you fill it out and then you can either mail it back or you can hand deliver it or a member of your family can hand deliver it Uh, in some states unfortunately other people can also come to your front door and offer to deliver it but we'll we'll talk about in a second in about a third of the states you need, an, you need an excuse. So if you're physically disabled, you're sick, or you're going to be out of town on Election Day, if you're an overseas military uh, uh, a guy, you can vote by absentee ballot also. Um, but the vast majority of people in those states vote in person. Mail-in balloting, it's the same process as, as an absentee ballot, except that five states including Oregon and Washington, uh, have switched to an all male election. So they don't actually have polling places open. What they do is you don't request uh, a mail-in ballot. They simply mail an absentee or mail-in ballot to every single registered voter in the state. And, of course, the problem with that is that you know, voter rolls are in terrible shape all over the country, including in, in those states. So they literally have hundreds of thousands of ballots being mailed out to registered voters when that voter doesn't live there anymore or has died or otherwise shouldn't even be on the list.
2: Right. So what is what then is ballot harvesting? It's when you you're able to go where you know someone is eligible to mail in vote or absentee ballot and get their ballots. Is that what that is?
0: Yeah, like I said, in in every state you can either mail back your absentee ballot, you can deliver it yourself, or a member of your family can. But in some states, like California, they have legalized uh, vote harvesting, which means that in addition to you and your family, any other third party can deliver your vote. So that means that candidates, uh, people who work for campaigns, uh, party activists, political consultants can all – legally show up at your front door and say hey uh, i'm I'm here to collect your absentee ballot i'll deliver it for you and of course the problem with that is that these are all people who have a stake in the outcome of the election and handing over something as valuable as a ballot to them is a foolish idea because they might change it they might alter it they might decide oh I work for Democratic candidate. You've always voted Republican in the past. I'm just not going to deliver your ballot, or they may int- try to intimidate and pressure voters to vote a certain way.
2: We're talking with Hans von Spakovsky about uh, mail-in ballots and ballot uh, uh, integrity, uh, election integrity. So now we've got a situation where we have some states pushing for more mail-in ballots. Some have it already. What's the sort of top three? problems with it. I mean, I've heard you could say that there's, there's people that may have an interest in, in persuading people. Uh, you know, if the top three problems are X, Y, Z, are there three solutions to that? Or, you know, are where we already have mail-in ballot, what can we do? What Walk us through that sort of how they match up.
0: Well, look, the top thing states ought to do, not just for this, but all kinds of voting, is clean up their voter lists. You know, take off people who are dead. Find, pe- find the people who have moved to other states and gotten registered there so people can't double vote. You know, make sure you have an accurate list. Um, but the, the other big problem with it is, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how you take care of the problems of making sure that um, you're not going to get undue pressure, intimidation at your home, unless you ban vote harvesting. You tell folks, right. look, you can mail your ballot back or you and your family can deliver it, but nobody else is allowed to deliver your ballot. That, that's the only way I know of to do that. And look, every single bill pushed uh, by Nancy Pelosi in, in Congress is the opposite of that. They want to legalize vote harvesting in every state.
2: Uh, we, we're, we're talking with Hans von Smakowski. Um and I, I I was thinking about how we have, a I have a friend of mine who's in Iowa and they, they're, you know, recent elections, their primary elections. And, and she was saying that she was going to go in and be present for all the vote, uh, opening the ballots and all, but you're kind of too late to the party. If you're just witnessing the opening of the ballots, right. Cause there, as you point out, they could be mailed in or carried in or, the, or, or, you know, mailed in by somebody who wasn't the real voter and all those. So I'm not sure that solves the problem. Um What's happening in places, I know you had a piece a couple days ago, uh, uh, Philadelphia, West Virginia, they have voter fraud happening, and they've admitted it. Um, what's happening with the voter fraud movement? Sometimes it feels like that ebbs and flows in terms of the willingness to prosecute. Are we, on a, are we in a period where people are willing to get after this, and, and they're, they're willing to acknowledge it's happening?
0: Well, the U.S. attorneys appointed by Trump seem to be willing to prosecute it. There were hardly any prosecutions during the Obama and Clinton administrations because they just weren't interested in doing that. So, yeah, we're at a good time right now, although uh, the fact that the feds are willing to go after it doesn't mean that state prosecutors everywhere are willing to go after it. In fact, a lot of them just tend to ignore the problem, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it's – Could could the could the um, Republican House and Senate a few years ago with the presidency, could they have done some different things than they did? I I complain because I wish they'd done a photo ID or, you know, an ID requirement. I often bring that up. But could there have been some other reforms? Are there things that could be done, uh, you know, federally or or is a lot of this the ability of the states to regulate themselves within the range? Is is that going to always be sort of a problem?
0: Well, the states have a lot of power in this area, but the feds could help out uh, a lot with the states willing to do that. Yeah, look, a a voter ID requirement for federal elections would have been great, and there were Republicans in favor of that, but Democrats were adamantly opposed to it and getting it through Congress, I think, uh, would have been very difficult. And another thing that I think the feds ought to put in is a requirement that you have to provide proof of citizenship, when you register to vote, right. because we've we've got problems with non-citizens uh, illegally registering and voting all over the country, particularly in places like California, where California state uh, officials don't care about it. In like fact, they they seem to encourage it, even though it's against the law.
2: Uh, we're talking with Hans von Spakovsky again. Hans, one more question on this crisis in terms of uh, uh, unrest. You know, when you have, um, you know, I, I always uh, hearken back to my time at the St. Louis Board of Elections, and urban board of elections, you know, when you had uh, security issues, and I, I never, I didn't go through a situation where there was protests or rioting. So, but you'd have security uh, concerns in a certain area of town or a certain polling place. You'd have to adjust things. What kind of, um, what kind of concerns do you have about, uh, the, the intentional or just coincidental disruption of, of sort of our, our urban c- centers and others in terms of this rioting and things and what it could do for the fall?
0: Well, hopefully it will have come under control by then, but, uh, but we both know that if there are riots going on in November organized by anarchists and others uh, all, uh, right before on Election Day, that may keep people out of the polls and you know we've never had that happen in the entire history, but uh, as organized as these protests seem to have been all across the country, I mean it makes you wonder uh, is the same thing going to happen again? I hope not, yeah. but we ought to be concerned yeah. about it.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that, as organized as it was, it just seems it wasn't organic. It was, the you know, any some of the concerns may have been organic, but the organization wasn't. Okay, Hans von Spakovsky, thank you, as always, for your insight. And uh, over at Heritage Foundation and uh, heads of center over there, he's a really great writer over at uh, Fox, among other places, Fox News and, and uh, other sites. Thanks, Hans.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the America Report. Be right back.
1: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.
2: Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We have a chance to visit with uh, my old friend, Jordan Henry, who's the research director at the Phyllis Schlafly Center. The last couple of months, he's really become the curator of realmrsamerica.com, which is a website I've talked a lot about, and it's getting a ton of attention. We got an email the other day from a um, a columnist at the Irish Times newspaper in Dublin who was drawn to com and was watching the videos. I got an email yesterday. I don't even know if I told Jordan about this. I got an email yesterday from someone who said, I stopped watching the FX uh, series streaming on Hulu called Mrs. America because it's so full of garbage. I just go to realmrsamerica.com and watch your videos. So that's kind of cool. Well, Jordan Henry's wears all those hats, but we have he's also the uh, curator of the Heartland Heroes, our effort to lift up uh, and highlight heroes uh, in with the Heartland values. Sometimes they are on the coast, we admit that. Uh, but welcome back, Jordan. How are you?
1: Hey, it's great to be with you, Ed. I'm doing great.
2: So, listen, I wanted to highlight one of these. There's a lot of attention. Can you imagine if you were a senior year in high school or college and this whole kind of crazy, you know, uh, Wuhan virus, the China virus kicks in and all of a sudden everything is, you know, you're, you're not having any of those sort of wrapping up your year, whether it's your, you know, graduation ceremony, some people played sports, uh, proms, whatever. So our one of our friends is uh, Maeve Coulter. And Maeve was as a high school senior and her family, of course, the Coulter family. And I know you and I are talking. They're extraordinary family. So we're going to give them the Heartland Hero treatment for what they do. So first of all, tell us about uh, Maeve and sort of how she's come to the end of her senior year.
1: Wow. Well, uh, Maeve has just been an incredible, uh, an incredible resource here at the Phyllis Laffley Center in St. Louis, Missouri for several years now. Uh, She's been uh, interning with us, helping us out so faithfully on on a bunch of different projects, coming to our events, uh, and really just being a a fearless and passionate worker for the the, uh, goals that Phyllis Schlafly believes so strongly in.
2: Well, and she was at uh, Collegians, of course. We had a great Collegians. I guess it was last summer and a great part of that, even though we only have usually a few students that aren't in college that are sort of uh, living up to it. So it's great. You know, I have to tell a quick story about the Coulter family, the Petrie-Coulter family. Uh, you know, a lot of our uh, folks in the, in the, in the as you mentioned, the Eagle family knew uh, uh, the Jennifer Coulter and her, her work, and we'll talk about her in a minute. But the parents, uh, and Jane Petrie and her late husband, Harold, They were some of the first people that volunteered when I ran for Congress in 2009, 2010, and they were were fearless pro-lifers and conservatives, and then they were Tea Partiers, and just wonderful presence. And, of course, Harold uh, Petrie uh, had cancer and and passed away a little while ago. It was a great sadness for that family, but just a dynamic family. I should say Maeve's aunt, Teresa, Teresa Petrie, was the press secretary, wore that uh, hat in my campaign, and she was phenomenal. She was a former TV reporter and so she had all that sort of natural ease on camera and ability to write and uh, we came within a hair's breadth of winning that race but it's a great family well but tell us about um, Jennifer Coulter and Maeve and then fill us in on the uh, recent graduation ceremony you went to I think we we really they they homeschooled the the Coulters homeschooled and had such success with their children so walk us through that too please
1: yeah, uh, well, Jennifer is another great volunteer here with uh, Phyllis Laffley Eagles. And um, uh, like you mentioned, uh, they have been homeschooling their kids. In fact, they were doing it before everybody started doing it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so, uh, of course, the Coulters, they don't ever halfway do anything. So when it was time for graduation, uh, they went all out with their homeschool graduation from uh, – Oakley Academy is uh, the, the school name that they came up with for their homeschool. Uh, and so they just uh, did the, the whole deal with a, a graduation ceremony and they invited family and friends to come. Uh, Maeve walked in wearing the cap and gown while Pomp and Circumstance played, <laughs> wow. DJed by her brother. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, yeah, it was a whole big thing. It was really incredible.
2: Well, I have a copy. Of, we got a copy of, the, of, of Maeve's uh, speech and she wonderful way she thanked her parents and uh, grandparents and just uh, her, her family in general. And he's uh, a great example uh, for uh, a lot of folks to see such success. And Maeve has been accepted to college, got scholarships. You know, one thing I was going to say, a lot of people are rethinking homeschooling and distance learning because of all the, uh, all the Chinese virus and, the, and all that's happened. And one thing that I was really interested in with, I learned from Maeve because I was never homeschooled and it was new to me was she played sports in the local sort of uh, affiliated leagues and was very successful. You know, she's a good athlete, but she had the competition and, and was able to sort of make that a part of her experience, which I think was pretty, uh, was, it's an important lesson for people to learn they are saying, well, I want my kid to be socialized and have these experiences. Well, Maeve had all those uh, socialized. By the way, uh, Jordan, I was talking to another homeschooler today uh, and I mentioned that um, her her son was home. He's now in his twenties. I said, "Well, maybe you want to go?" We're on the phone in the morning and make breakfast. She said, "Oh no, my kids are homeschooled. They all learned how to make breakfast for themselves when they were homeschooled." So, <laughs> all right. Well, you you gave the commencement speech at the uh, Oakley School. It's called Mave School. It's called the Oakley School. That's their street address too, by the way. So, give us a uh, give us a summary of your. Uh, of your great speech because I did hear great reviews of it. So what did you say that uh, every there's been a thousand million commencement speeches? How'd you step up and do something different?
1: Uh, well, I did one thing that I thought was rather original. I led my speech by explaining how I thought that graduation speeches are a complete waste of time. Uh, oh, well,
2: that's pretty good. Good yeah, setup. Yeah. Keep the expectations low. I get what you're doing there.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, see, it's it's kind of a cruel joke we play on high school seniors. How they're so excited that they think that their academic career is over, and then we give them a big long speech about <laughs> how the importance of lifelong learning and the torture never really ends. So, right. Right.
2: That. Right. So yeah, I thought that was worth. Pointing what out. was
1: what? Well, then after
2: that point, what did you give? give me? Give me one. What one tip? You know, always wear your tie straight, or you know. Wash your hands after whatever. When what? Any real tips you could
1: wisdom that you could impart? The message I tried to convey to her, and that I would convey to anyone who's uh, graduating at this time, is that once when you go, when you're a teenager, you're you're told about peer pressure and how you have to be careful who you let influence you, and that's right. still an important thing when you're an adult. But yep. when you're an adult, you have to move kind of to the next level of that, I would say, and rather than just focusing on who you let influence you, you have to realize that you are an influence on all the people around you, whether they, whether they even realize it or not. And so when you make decisions, they affect everyone around you.
2: Huh? Well, that's, that is good. Well, I, well, I can see why that was a hit, especially because you're just a kid yourself and some that, but have that kind of wisdom. That's good. Well, all right, let me see that big uh, canvas print of Phyllis Schlafly. I know our listeners can't see it, but we're on uh, Zoom here. Yeah, look at that. Uh, there's a wonderful picture of Phyllis Schlafly with a stop ERA button or eagle pin, American flag behind it, that we presented to Maeve uh, on behalf of all of us That believe so much in uh, what she and others are doing. So good Heartland heroes, uh, Jordan. Thanks for everything you're doing. And uh, we'll uh, we'll keep checking in on your baby, realmrsamerica.com and see uh, what else is up there in these weeks.
1: All right, thank you, Ed. Good to be here with you.
2: All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back.
1: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis
3: Schlafly. Today I'm going to remind you that no cross is too small to escape being targeted for removal by the atheists. In Woonsocket, Rhode Island, a little town you probably never heard of, a cross has been standing in the parking lot of the local fire station for 97 years. Mayor Leo Fontaine said, The monument's been sitting there for 97 years and no one had a problem with it, and now someone from Madison, Wisconsin is so concerned? The cross was erected in memory of a guy killed in World War I, and later rededicated in memory of three brothers killed in World War II. An atheist group from faraway Madison, Wisconsin, sent a formal demand to the city asking that it immediately remove the cross from the fire station parking lot and also remove the prayer and the picture of an angel from the Woonsocket Fire Department website. The atheists may have selected this obscure target because this small city has little money and cannot afford a legal battle. This anti-religion busybody group called the Freedom From Religion Foundation is now pursuing legal action in 11 other states. I'm going to read you the lovely prayer that the atheists are demanding be removed from the fire station's website. After I read it, ask yourself, are we going to put up with a handful of atheists banning this beautiful prayer from public life? When I am called to duty, God, wherever flame may rage, give me strength to save some life, whatever be its age. Enable me to be alert and hear the weakest shout and quickly and efficiently put the fire out. I want to fill my calling and to give the best in me, to guard my every neighbor and protect his property. And if, according to my fate, I am to lose my life, please bless with your protecting hand my children and my wife.
1: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When America turns our back on our Christian heritage, we shouldn't be surprised when biblical precepts like honesty, kindness, respect, justice, and freedom are abandoned. At phyllisschlafly.com, we still believe in rights endowed by our Creator. If you agree, find out more at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
2: back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Thank you for listening as always and don't forget, you can always get the show as a podcast over at the TheAnswerSanDiego.com. Follow my great friend Andrea Kay and her show. Uh, she's a phenomenal and also I got to say thank you again. I've been getting a lot more emails and texts from folks and so I appreciate that very much. You can again, you can text me directly. It goes right to my phone. It's an old number that I got about uh, 15 years ago that I still keep and use as a sort of texting uh, a line. It's 314. That's the Missouri-St. Louis- uh, 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 zip uh, area code 314-256-1776 uh, 314-256-1776 you can get right there that's the ed martin's pro america report uh texting line and then also re- this is really important to me if you don't mind do me a favor go to dot com, and sign up and get uh, to be a part of the um The uh, Daily Wink, you'll have the ability to sign up for an email right there on the top of the page. And if you do that, you will be... um You will be uh, getting an email, one email a day, five days a week, and it's just a great tool. It's what you need to know as well as some carefully collated articles and some other things. I promise uh, people ask me all the time to share my list. You know, my list of email addresses of the people that sign up for the Daily Wink is about 20,000. People ask me to borrow it, to email it, to send it to other people. I refuse. I never sell it, rent it, borrow it. I lend it to anybody, nothing, because I want to be respectful of what you uh, are telling me and what you're saying. And so you can, by the way, you can hit reply on the wink. That's another way to get right back to me. Or you can email me directly, ed at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com. All right. I want to uh, finish up today, and I want to walk you through something that's very important. Uh, and there is a piece that was written by Terrence Jeffrey. I'm going to try to get him on the show. Terrence Jeffrey of the Catholic News Service, uh, cnsnews.com. So he's writing as a uh, from his perspective. He's the editor-in-chief of that site as a Catholic. And this piece ran over at our sister site on townhall.com, townhall.com. Tom, of course, is owned by the Salem Salem, um, uh, Media and does a great job. A lot of good writers there. And so if you go over... And check out this piece. It's called, Will Joe Biden be America's Second Catholic President? First one, of course, was JFK. Uh, will he be the second one? And But more importantly in this piece, you see Terry Jeffrey go through this argument that Joe Biden makes about how he's Catholic, but he's pro-abortion, and how he changed his position in the 80s because, well, he had to, because that's what his Democrat Party did. And so it's an interesting piece Terrence, Terry Jeffrey goes through, marches through. But here's the interesting thing. Um, the reality is that the Catholic vote is probably the most important block because it moves around now let me explain this to you 30% of the Catholics will always vote Democrat maybe 40% and 40% will always vote Republican because they vote on the life issue alone but within that there is some movement and they're, they're, they're movable a little bit more than you might expect partly because they're culturally the Catholics are culturally um, have come into America and they've been um, been strong on, um, on workers rights and that movement leans Democrat, but they've been strong on pro-life that leans really Republican. And so you get the sense of this. Uh, it's a, Well, here's what happened in 2016. This has been written about a little bit. But it's very important. Donald Trump outperformed anyone's expectation of, his, of uh, uh, on Catholic, with regarding Catholic voters. He won huge. Why? Well, there's lots of reasons why people think. Uh, some of it has to do with his uh, position on China and jobs. Some of it has to do with his position on immigration. A lot of the Catholic voters thought, "Well, the, we expected our P, our communities assimilated when we came to America, and uh, the you know the the current you know group of uh, of immigration were feeling like it's uh, too many, too." Fast and we need a pause, which happened to the Catholic community. You know, the, the massive influx of, of immigration in the 1910s and 20s and 30s. After that, there was a pause for about 25 years. And those groups, they were Italian and Irish and German and others. They assimilated. And it was part of they also fought a world war shoulder to shoulder with uh, uh, other uh, U.S. citizens. And, and they became uh, they assimilated. Anyway, all that, put that all aside, I will tell you my own theory on this is that um, one of the most prominent Catholics in the last 25 or 30 years was and is uh, the late Justice Antonin Scalia. And so when he passed away early in 2016, and when it became clear that there would not be a replacement on the Supreme Court for this famous Catholic uh, conservative pro-lifer, people just knew who he was, when that became clear... The voters in America knew one person was going to pick a replacement for Scalia. Remember, voters vote shorthand. They, voters will, they, they look at things, the information, and they have shorthand for things. They don't, most voters don't have the time. They're working too hard. They're busy with their families. They don't spend a lot of time doing analysis. No matter what you hear, that's why you'll see a million dollars spent on a TV ad that's pushing a single point and over and over again, because a lot of voters will get that point. And if you pay enough and you you hammer it home, it, it works. Well, Catholic voters voted for Donald Trump, I believe, in large part because they had the shorthand of Justice Scalia. And what's happening in 2020 is the shorthand is Biden's Catholic. Most Catholics don't track it enough to realize, well, he's Catholic, but he's for abortion. Um, you know, he's Catholic, but he's for the death penalty now, and these things that they would congruously, incongruous in terms of some of the teachings. But, but so, uh, and not the death penalty, by the way. I don't think that there's no contrast in, with Trump. So the question becomes, what happens in key states like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, where the blocks of voters that the energy is Catholic, so the the energy is amongst the the swing voters. I know the swing's a little too dramatic, but the voters is how is their Catholic? What is their Catholic position? My my argument is you're going to see more conversation about Catholic voters because if Biden wins on the shorthand, uh, like Scalia, you know someone will replace Scalia. That will be powerful. That will be powerful. And it will carry uh, in places that could have a big impact where they're not thinking about whether his policies are good on China or whether he's swampy. They're just saying, oh, and so it's a factor. So that townhall.com piece that you're seeing, I'll put it up on social media, uh, is an interesting perspective and a start, I would say. Terry Jeffrey is the name of the author. It's a start, I would say, of a conversation that will continue to develop over the coming months and over the coming uh, um, the months and, uh, you know, eight months to the election to be a factor in the election. So watch for that. I also think, by the way, that um, most Catholics are law and order types. A lot of them are cops, families, military and all. And I don't think that most Catholics, if you could poll them, would like what they saw. With the rioting in the last uh, nine days, 10 days, they they might support the idea uh, and pull high on oh racial justice and all. But who wouldn't? I'm for it, too. But the question is rioting and personal property destruction and businesses being burned and killings that uh, that law and order is something the Catholics that um, they tend to to uh, be attracted to for lots of reasons. Including the relationship of the Catholic Church to hierarchy, and also, uh, but also because culturally, so many of uh, the Catholic uh, immigrant families served in the military, served in the wars, and had that sort of ethos um, 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 as part of their uh, who they were. So, all right, that's all for tonight. Thank you for listening to the program. Uh, thank you, as always, uh, for uh, uh, tuning in, and especially thank you to Noah, our technical director, for doing a great job. Joanna for helping book the show. We will be back tomorrow night. Uh, stay well, be good, and don't forget visit Pro. ProAmericaReport.com to find out all of all these segments from today's show, whether it's the replay of Jordan Henry's uh, Heartland Heroes, uh, the conversation we had with Hans von Spakovsky on voter uh, fraud and protecting the elections. All that's available over at ProAmericaReport.com. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.